Welcome to episode 36 of the Draft Life Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Phillips, a.k.a. J2S Josh. And per usual, I'm joined by my co-host, all-time 17 Lands Trophy leader, Chris Palmiotti, a.k.a. that guy who stuffs lobster down his pants at Walmart, Florida Mon. We're going to do a short episode talking about the rough streets of New Capenna. How's it going today, Chris? If I'm going to steal lobster, okay, I'm not stealing it from Walmart. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just gonna throw that out there so the listeners understand I have at least some bar of quality for my shellfish. Is it Whole Foods or are you willing to step down to Publix? Hey, don't be knocking Publix. I think Publix is on par with Whole Foods. Whole Foods just has better branding marketing. It really depends which Publix you get to. There's a, a few of the That's nice fancy Publix, and then there's mm-hmm. those Publix. Yeah. Publix Bakery is second to none. I'm convinced, oh, yeah. though. They have some great cannolis. Oof, yeah. What, oh, what was the question? Key lime pie. I don't like key lime that. pie. Well, I like it, Publix key lime pie. It's pretty solid. I just don't like key lime pie. All right, man. Don't put citrus in my dessert. That's my stance. Speaking of cannolis, sometimes you get cannolis and they put all this like lemony or orangey flavor in the filling. And I was like, I don't want that. You just want that hard, cr- that cream, maybe a little chocolate chips. Exactly. Possibly, That's all. possibly a sprinkled pistachio. Sprinkled crushed pistachio acceptable. Yes. Okay. What are we talking about? What, oh, we were talking about magic, man. Uh, we said, how's oh, it going okay. today, Chris? It's going well. How are you doing? Doing good. I have not stuffed any lobster down my pants. That's good. I mean, I, I honestly fun. just Googled Florida Mud and stuff and was like, <laughs> and I found man stuffs a bunch of fish and lobster down his pants at Walmart. <laughs> I think you should leave all of this in, by the way. I really, I this am, is 100%. Honest. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. All right, what are we talking about today? What's, what's going on? I think there's a new set coming out. Yeah, there is. Interesting. But, you know, we don't talk about that here. We just talk about what's up, you know? <laughs> See? <laughs> so we're going to start off with our weekly update. We are so tired of Neo that Chris has resorted to playing Revnica Mixer events while being confused at some of the people he gets to play against. Please, oh, please, let's treats get here quicker. Yeah, and I'm enjoying it. That's how over Neo I am. I'm not like instantly being like, okay, this that this format is stupid. I'm going back. I'm like, you know what? I'll keep on playing. I'll just wait till I open the ethereal absolution. It'll happen soon. Oh, you get somebody good. I'm so over Neo that I have like a trophy match thing there and I'm just not willing to, to log in and play it. I don't think I even overplayed Neo. People are like, oh, you know, maybe it's because you played that much or you played a ton. I, I think I've played it less than almost any format, maybe other than AFR in recent memory. If you look at the number of like matches I played, and I just think it it looks like a very diverse format at its surface. But once you like get a little deeper and you kind of basically said this offline, it, it's only really like three or four different types of decks and they have some different flavors to them. But at the end of the day, it feels like you're playing one of those four decks and that's that. To me, and I've been complaining about the format since the beginning, and everybody's like, people were just like, what are you talking about? This is the greatest format ever. And I was very upfront about like, I'm not a fan of this. It basically feels like if you're playing a guild set, but two of the guilds didn't get there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And the overpowered on commons, just... I think I'm off overpowered on commons. I'm off of it. I don't like them. Not when they're game tilting, you know, like you can have powerful uncommons, but they shouldn't be ones that you're like, wait, that's not a rare all the time. You know, the mythic uncommons, you shouldn't have more than one mythic uncommon per set. Yeah. When you face a deck that has three Behold the Unspeakables, you just, no one's having fun. Right. All right. So how about we get off what we hate and talk about what's upcoming with Streets okay. of New Capenna? Heck Yeah. We're going to talk about the mechanics and how they're going to affect limited, etc. The first one is Connive, which is draw a card, then discard a card. And if you discard a non-land card, put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature. You can still connive if a creature is killed in response, but obviously no counter. 
I like this ability as it's a way to loot away extra lands or permanently pump creatures, both of which are solid effects and limited. Depending on how hard it is connive, it can be looked at similarly to blood as a way to prevent flood. It just really depends on how quote unquote free it is to use this ability. Similar to blood, it really lets you make decisions and that feels like it really benefits better players. Yeah, and like this full set has been spoiled. Obviously, this goes up if there are some graveyard synergies, because then you're incentivized to discard non-land cards into your graveyard. You get counters on your creatures. That's all good. And like Josh was saying, it's just basically blood with upside attached to cards. You know, you don't have to pay one mana, but obviously you have to do something to trigger a connive ability. But yeah, this is going to be super strong. I think there are sets out there that you just don't have any way to loot consistently. That's like mainstay in the set. And the sets that do, you just feel like you don't flood as much. You have a little more authority and control over how the game develops, which I'm a big fan of. I think better players like these effects because it just gives them more tools to leverage. All right. So the next ability is Casualty. So it's usually for X as you cast spell, so you may sacrifice a creature with power X or greater, and if you do, you copy that spell. This one seems a little more in the middle on decision-making, as sometimes it's going to just play itself, but I still really like it. Obviously, at instant speed, this is much, much better. One of the big questions I have is whether this will invalidate pacifism-type effects. We all thought it would with exploit, but that deck just didn't get there often. If this effect is good, then that makes you think that you want to avoid pacifism effects like the plague. And we should mention that Connive is in the Esper colors, black, blue, white. Casualty is in Grixis colors, blue, black, red. And I agree with Josh here. I think it's going to be a pretty cool mechanic. If there are some overpowered casualty cards and you pick them up pretty early in your draft, I got to imagine there's a lot of fuel that's going to be put in the set to kind of power these casualty cards. Also, if there's any kind of threaten effects where you get to steal your opponent's cards and then combo it with casualty cards. That's going to be pretty cool. So keep an eye out on any active betrayals and things like that that are relatively cheap. Those might be pretty premium depending on how many good and how many casualty cards there are. I love like sack decks and it's kind of cool that blue gets a piece of this. Indeed. There's even a planeswalker that you can casualty for. Double the planeswalkers, double the fun. The next effect is Blitz. This lets you play the card for its Blitz cost to give it haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card. It also has a pretty big drawback of Sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step, but at least that means you won't have to wait long to get your extra card. This works well if you just need a few more points to kill your opponent, and you're just like, oh man, what if I could just hit in for haste for a couple points now? And that comes up a lot in aggro decks. Or if you just want to cycle a creature that's not going to have a real effect in the board. As long as it remains reasonably costed, it's going to be a pretty powerful ability. This is in the Jun colors. The downside is it's kind of like sorcery speed cycling, right? Because it's kind of like a blitz cost. You have to cast it's a creature, so you have to cast it kind of on your end step. But yeah, but the upside is sometimes you just get to push some damage. I assume there's going to be some cards that have blitz and ETB effects. So you get the ETB effect, plus you get to draw a card and maybe, you know, chip in some points of damage. I would keep an eye out for cards that truly don't feel bad when you're blitzing them because then it just gives you the ability to add to the board permanently or kind of dig deeper for your better cards with maybe some slight upside attached. So all of these mechanics always, of course, depends on how they utilize them, implement them. But I think so far they all have a pretty good chance of being interesting and fun mechanics. Next is Alliance, which is an ability that triggers whenever another creature enters the battlefield. Pretty simple and does different things based on the card. Really bumps up any instant speed creature creators, like mm-hmm. a certain card I plan on discussing later. Yeah, exactly. These are in the Naya colors, red, green, white. Pretty straightforward, like you said. 
creatures entering battlefield instant speed is going to be kind of cool but i could imagine you just build some low curve aggro deck with a lot of alliance and you're just trying to dump your hand and get them dead really fast i assume that alliance will mostly be leaning towards aggressive abilities or boosts and wants you to build decks with lots of creatures that want to attack yeah from what i've been seeing so far that's what it is yeah so Next you know, maybe combat tricks are going to be good. There's some like cheap, efficient combat tricks flying around and they have a deck that has a lot of creatures that want to be attacking. That's usually where you want to pick up your combat tricks and not worry so much about hard removal. So, you know, keep an eye out for maybe an early aggressive build while people are trying to dirtle in this format. Well, I always go aggressive early for sure. That's yeah. like free wins. Everyone's trying to figure stuff out and you're like, I'm just going to take all the red cards. It'll <laughs> work itself out. Right. Turns out in Neo that I was doing the right thing, just I didn't know it was the right thing. I just thought it was week one fun. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, it's week six. I'm still doing it. Well, no, like Jordan got really into it, though, because I started moving over towards the value decks and then he got really into it and was really pushing it. Then we did all the stuff on it. You know, gotcha. All right. Shield counters. It's of a permanent with a shield counter on it would be destroyed. It removes a shield counter instead. If it would be dealt damage, that damage prevented and removes a shield counter instead. Of note, if damage can't be prevented, it still removes the shield counter, but does the damage as well. Wow, is this an annoying ability. Between this and casually, it really seems like one-for-one removal isn't going to be very good in this set. It does kind of create an interesting balance, because you would want pacifism effects against shield, but not against casualty. That said, it's a really strong ability. It's basically a build-in two-for-one. It allows you to do things like Alpha Strike without your guy dying. To the point about pacifism and shield effects, if you're playing cards with the shield counter, you're in banned colors green, white, blue. And so if you're playing against these cards, at least only one of the three colors has access to casualty. So I think pacifism effects against shield counter cards specifically is probably semi-safe, but it goes to show you if you're in bands, picking up cards with casualty abilities attached to them might be higher on your pick order because pacifism is a good way to deal with a lot of these shield creatures. So you should keep that in mind if you're going down the shield route to make sure you pick up some of those blue casualty cards. All speculation, like everything right now, but... (laughs) Right. We're just full of it. We're just spouting stuff out. This is the way you have to think about mechanics early on, though, right? You have to think about, okay, this is cool at face value. How do people counter it? Okay, so how do I mitigate people countering this? I don't think a lot of people go into sets with that mindset. And then so you get a pretty big edge if you're already pre-prepared for how people are going to eventually answer these cards. Indeed. And our final mechanic is Hideaway. It's an old mechanic where when it enters, you look at that many cards atop your deck, exile one, and put the rest in the bottom. When you meet whatever random condition, you get to play that card without paying its mana cost. I looked at some of these, and most of them have a ridiculous condition. That yeah, I haven't seen a Hideaway that's like, oh yeah, okay, that'll be chill. It's like a two for one. I don't have to wait too long to get. I like the I green seen one. one yet. Fight rigging? Yeah. I weigh five. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you may play the exile card without paying its mana cost. Putting a counter on a creature at the beginning of your combat phase every turn is just good with upside with the highway five. So I agree. Yeah, and it's only three mana. Yeah. I assume there's ways to pump power. Maybe you just play a combat trick pre-combat to trigger this if you have a good attack anyway or something. On most of the other hideaway cards I've seen, it's just you just want to put a land and thin out your deck a little bit. Yeah. All right. Are there any commons slash uncommons that have stood out to you? For me, my main ones are one, exotic pets. That card just seems pretty great. It's two power unblockable for only three mana at instant speed. 
which just spread across two creatures. And that could lead to some pretty big blowouts with the lions floating around. Yeah, and you know, don't forget that when they ETB, there's a clause of then for each kind of counter among creatures you control, put a counter of that kind on either of those tokens. So, you know, maybe you can get these things shield counters, which would be really annoying, especially if you find a way to augment them, right? Unblockable shield, yeah. <laughs> shielded, you know, I don't know. You, you make it a 3-3 three, three or 4-4 four, four somehow. That's a big problem for your opponent. And then even I, if they do deal with that, like, you know, you still have another one floating around, which is pretty sweet. Like, I think you would just play a 2-2 two, two unblockable for 3 anyway, right? Yeah, I think there's instances of that. I think you need a little more upside, which this comes with. The fact that it's an instant speed, the fact that it gets, you know, maybe other types of counters on it. And, and it's, it's across spread two across. bodies. Yeah. Because, you know, this also is really good for casualty considerations. If you have some casualty one cards in there, you still get half a card out of this plus whatever upside. This card just does a lot of good things. I saw just Lola Man post that he's very happy this is uncommon and not common. And I agree with that sediment if this was common it'd be <laughs> disgusting all right the next one is unlucky witness unlucky witness single red when it dies exile top two cards of the library until your next end of step you may play one of those cards unlucky witness just seems really strong especially with casualty it's gonna make blocking or attacking really awkward for your opponent and it just seems like continuation of great limited one drops have come out recently yeah yeah this is gonna be like premium casualty fodder Especially since you get to play it to your next end step. So if you have any instant speed casualty cards, you can leave up mana, casualty this on their end step. And then on your turn, you have the whole turn to play those cards and you didn't have to pay for your casualty costs. It's going to be really strong. It makes so many decisions. Like Your opponent's like, do I want to attack with for two damage, but they can just block and draw cards? Do I want that to happen? (laughs) I think how you want to deal with this card, if they play a turn one, just kind of... Get it out of the way as fast as possible. Be okay trading with it because it's unlikely they're going to be getting a lot of value the less mana they have. But yeah, it's just like a chump blocker in the late game that will draw you two cards where usually drawing your one drop off the top of your deck later in the game feels pretty bad. This won't feel that bad. Another thing I'm a big fan of is the common land cycle that only gets the shard colors. Sure, they're worse evolving wilds, but they're definitely going to play a key role in this format. And it provides the most important thing. No priority holding. When in doubt, pick one of those lands out of the pack that's a little middling. And it does get three, so it's not that you're just out if it's not the right one for your shard. It could still cover two of them. Right, yeah, that's a great point. Even a functionally a dual land is, is pretty dang good. And speaking of dual lands, I really like the dual land cycle that can sacrifice the draw card. That's really strong, and I think those are actually pretty high picks. Right, so they're all ETB tapped, they make two colors, and then it's two, and then one of each of those colors tap sacrifice draw card. So it's not like a cheap cost, it's not going to be like super overpowered. Don't pick up that 23rd card, don't pick up the even like the 18th card in your deck. Usually these should be about, once you have about 15, 16 solid playables, pick these over most fillers, or just pick them early on if you don't know the direction you're going yet. Well, I think they're going to be gone around pick four or five. I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I could see that. So you have any commons or uncommons you'd like to discuss? I'm going to be real. I didn't really look too much at the spoilers ahead of this recording. So nothing on my radar yet. I will say that from a very quick glance, I think this is going to be a format that has a lot of decisions. And I think 
Neo feels like it has a lot of decisions, but I think those decisions are either pretty obvious or they don't matter as they're like big swinging decisions more than something like Midnight Hunt, where it was like, do I tap these three things to scry or do I tap these three things to deal one extra damage, things like that. And it looks like this set is going to be more like every little small decision matters, which is my favorite kind of set. So I'm looking forward to it. I think Casualty is going to be super fun. I hope there's a lot of support for it. I think a card making an early kind of an early debate card is Strangle. It's a single red sorcery, deals three damage target creature or planeswalker. One mana, deal three damage. Seems pretty good in a lot of sets, but you know, maybe removal isn't so good these days. Maybe the three doesn't hit the creatures you need to kill. It's sorcery maybe speed. Shield you know. counters exist. Right. Exile effects are gonna be Pretty premium if shield counters are kind of running around a lot, right? You're going to want to exile those cards. You get to just push through the shield effect. Indeed. Okay, how about one more that'll pop up is Courier's Briefcase. Have you seen this one? I saw it was green. It was a green card, right? Yeah, it's green and a one. When it comes into play, you create a one, one green and white citizen creature token, and you can tap, sack it to add one man of any color. So it's a treasure. And you can also pay Wooberg and sack it to draw three cards. It's kind of like a 1-1 one, one Sailor of Means for two, which I think in this format is fine. Treasure is going to be quite good when they're cheap like that. And yeah. if you happen to get to the point where you have all five, which if you're making treasures, you might, then you get three cards out of it, which is pretty solid. Since you have the sacrifice itself, you can't count this as, you know, one of the colors, which is a little unfortunate. But with all the dual land, tri-land, rare cycles running around and other treasure makers I've seen... I don't think Wooberg is going to be that insane to get, especially if you're kind of trying to get all five colors for this or some other reason. I brought this up because I think playing five colors in this format isn't going to be hard at all. Two common mana fixing cycles. So instead of having one Evolving Wilds, yeah, they only get three colors each, but there's five Evolving Wilds. Right. And then you still have the Dual Land cycle. And then you still have Triomes too. And Treasure Makers. There's going to be definitely decks that you just start out with playing five colors and just take all the good cards. Right, right. It could be like a very viable strategy. It could be you open your packs, you either take a bomb, and if there's no bomb, you just take fixing. Don't worry about anything else in between. And also connive. So you have access to just pitch the cards if you don't draw the right mana. Yeah, that was a good lesson from Crimson Val, where you can do like kind of sketchy splashes. You can be like, okay, I'm just going to throw in one planes and a wedding announcement, right? If I draw the planes and wedding announcement, that's amazing. If I just draw the wedding announcement, I have blood tokens to pitch it away if it feels like I'm never going to find that planes before the game ends. And this is kind of like the same thing with connive. So you can do like kind of risky splashes with while mitigating some of the risk because of that ability. Thanks for listening to all of our wonderful thoughts on Streets of New Capenna, which we'll get more on it as soon as we get more of the cards to talk about. So that brings us to our cool play of the week. In a throwback call time draft, Kiefer played Doomscar and Todd Jordan activates Fella, and everyone's kind of confused as why he didn't just make a Manolith instead. Obviously, he hit seven mana to Bolt. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Oof. Well, you know what that brings us to. Chris's bad beat. Pew, 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 pew. Okay, so I was playing some Dominaria premiere draft while I was a thing on Arena for a little bit. And I was kind of having a, not the best morning. I kind of got got by some ridiculous cards. But there was a game I was playing a green-black deck, had a bunch of fungus tokens. It got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't care if they eat a creature or two, I'll just swing all 
and beat them down. I was at like 10 health or something. I felt pretty safe. I left back a token just in case. And then they just go like, okay, eat a token, go down to like four or five. Their turn, they untap. I have one blocker back. They have five power on the battlefield. And I feel pretty good. And they go, and I think they're like top decking or they have one card in hand. And they draw the stupid blue legendary sorcery that bounces a creature and then gives them an extra turn. And so they bounced my one blocker, attacked with their 3-3 and their 2-1, untapped, attacked with their 3-3 and 2-1 again and killed me for Xaxxes. And I was like, I was after a really long grinding game of like clawing my way back to like a pretty dominant board state. And I just got caught by that stupid rare. All right, everybody. So that brings us into this episode. Come check out our totally free Discord where you can get deck tags, pick advice, check out trophy decks, discuss limited, or just chill. You can find the whole draft lab on Twitch at J2S Josh, Floridamon, Icky, Eagle TV, Todd Jordan, and DeFour. Don't forget to check out MTGAZone.com for awesome strategy articles by the draft lab, mostly me. Well, MTGA Zone, if you're looking to win some cash, even a PT invite and constructed, you can check out their .gg events. And I can't forget to also mention the Draft Lab YouTube channel, which you should check out. Oh, that's uh, 36 episodes in, and Chris is going to be really confused why there's a donkey in his backyard. <laughs>